So when we hear the Gospels proclaimed, we hear lots of shocking things that Jesus says. And some people have wondered over the years, over the centuries, what's the most shocking thing that Jesus ever said? Maybe it's something we heard today. There's about 16 things in this Gospel that are like commands that are quite shocking. And maybe the most shocking of them could be, love your enemies. And of course, the world would hear that line and say, that's a recipe for losing. But Jesus says, this is my recipe for silently changing the world. The world would say, if you've been wronged, get even. But Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. The world would say, give only to the level that you've been given to. But Jesus says, give to everyone who asks of you. And of course, we come to this with our brains, we use our brains. The guy who leaves work with his paycheck doesn't give it to the beggar on the street because he has children at home who are also asking for their next meal. But the world says, if you've been wronged, seek retribution. It's your right. But Jesus says, do not withhold even your tunic. That's like the shirt off your back. The world would say that is the love of a loser, that is a recipe for failure. But not only does Jesus preach these things, but he also shows us a great example. He prayed for those who killed him during his death. He shows us throughout the Gospels of his example of nonviolent resistance to evil. In Jesus' way, we notice that he is replacing evil and injustice in the world with love and compassion. And Pope Benedict XVI caught on to this, and he called this the Christian Revolution. Now, we heard, when the world hears this word revolution, the world might think of things like economic and political power, or maybe controlling the media to make sure that consistent message of the revolution is out there. But Jesus' way is different. The Christian Revolution is a revolution of love. And love doesn't rely on human resources but relies on the gift of God himself. And he invites us all to trust in his goodness. And we have the great example of thousands of Christian saints over the centuries who have trusted in his merciful goodness, even at the cost of their own lives, because they knew that he was true. So the world would say, we can try to soothe our pain by making others pay. But the question is, would we even be fulfilled? We might feel like it for a while, but then that would pass. Our crucified king models for us the example of loving one's enemies. The most interesting thing I notice about this, this uh, command of the Lord, love your enemies, is the instant growth that comes from it. Because if we say that we love someone, can we also be the enemy of that person? And we see this happening in our first reading today from 1 Samuel how David, who, by the way, was a murderer and, a, and an adulterer, he was able to forgive his own enemy. His example of forgiveness and his, his attempt to reconcile with his enemy is good for us. So can we pray for those who have hurt us? Can we ask God to bless them? Not yet? Okay. But maybe we can ask God to nudge us in that direction. Henry Nouwen, the spiritual writer, agrees that love your enemies is the most shocking thing that Jesus ever said. He says that these words both, or they best reveal 
the kind of love that Jesus proclaims. And they give us the clearest expression of what it means to be a Christian disciple. And Dale Carnegie studied successful people for a long time. And he noticed that Jesus was right. Even people who are in competition with, against each other in the marketplace. He noticed that if they were able to do good things, they would become better people. And he sold millions of books encouraging people to do these things like being generally interested in others, smiling at them, remembering their names, encouraging them to talk about themselves, making them feel important. And also St. Teresa of Calcutta, who we call Mother Teresa, she knew that Jesus was right because she studied Jesus and she got to know him. She also made people feel important and loved them by giving them attention, the attention that they deserved as being made in God's image. But how, do, how does this play out in our daily lives? How does it play out in the normal of the everyday experience? Maybe in traffic while we're driving. Of course, we feel like the most important person on the road. And when someone cuts us off, how dare they? How can I get even with that person who wronged me in traffic? Or can we pray for that person? Or maybe in your marriages. Do we have to win every argument? Or can I love by losing an argument every once in a while? Be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. And of course, mercy is the thing that brings us that happiness and release from the tensions that life brings. So we need God's help to do this, of course. We need his supernatural grace because we're wired for the opposite. We're wired for self-preservation. We're wired not for generosity. But St. Paul reminds us in that second reading today, we're still like that earthly Adam. We're all works in progress. We're trying to become more and more like the heavenly Adam, the new Adam, the new man in Christ himself. So Jesus commands us only to do what is possible, and it's possible through him. So he invites us into his revolution of love.